Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. That you've made effort to be here. I know it's a holiday weekend and we've got a ton of folks on the road, but I am thankful this morning that you've made your way here. Uh, this uh, concluding message, I believe, is an important message. As we've been talking about how to deal with living through the nothings, the nothings. Um, I, I, I've told you already, I, let, me, let me make sure you understand if you're just uh, catching up. I don't like the word nothing. Uh, it's one of my least favorite words in the dictionary, uh, in the English language. There are some other other words, but this one I, I, I just need to tell you. I don't like because the word nothing seems to have no element of hope or promise or resource in it. When you say, I have nothing, it is like you're at the very end of everything else you can say and there's nothing left. And I, so I, I don't like that word. And we tried to use some examples that might be where you are, like for instance, Maybe this one will help you relate. Uh, you watch as you go to work every day and you do your job and you get that check at the end of the month or maybe twice a month and, and, and you, you examine the check and you see all that's being withdrawn from your check. Yeah, 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 okay. Uh, you, like you feel like calling the police because you feel like you've been robbed. They're so, okay, anybody? Okay, and so you see all this taken out. Well, when May rolls around or whatever the, that, that bad date is, the 15th is April. April, April. When, see, I, that's, I try to block that date from my mind. When April rolls around and, and you look back over all that's been drawn out of your check, you kind of get excited because you will, you, you're just like, man, there is no way this year that I'm not going to get money back. So this is going to be like Christmas in April because they just keep taking and taking and taking. So this year, surely, and so you run to your CPA or, or maybe you do it all by yourself and you put the pencil to the paper and you're all excited. And when you get to the bottom line, you suddenly realize you're getting nothing. In fact, let me say it like I would, you're getting jack squat. You ain't getting nothing, nothing. In fact, you might even owe, right? And, and so that's that feeling of nothing. Maybe, maybe this one. Someone makes you a promise, and, and they give their word, and week after week, and month after month, and nothing. There, there's no attempt to fulfill their word. There's no movement towards making good on their vow. There is absolutely nothing being done. I hate the concept of nothing. I hate that word. But worse than I hate the word, you've, you've heard me say this, this during this, I hate the experience of nothing. And so what we've been doing is we've been going through accounts in Scripture that are nothing moments. The first one you'll remember was when Jesus tries to tap on the disciples to resource his rescue. He has compassion on a crowd of individuals that are hungry. And he says, I want you to feed them. And the crowd was so large that they come back in response and say, wait, buddy, we don't, we don't have nothing. And I talked to you about the fact that Jesus will often reveal our nothing in an attempt to get us to rely on Him. 
And then I told you that a lot of times Jesus will expose our nothings because he wants to expose the lie of lack. Because the truth was the disciples didn't have nothing, they had something. But in light of the overwhelming need, they felt like that what they had, their something was nothing. And I told you that some of you have things in your life that God is pulling on, but you think they're nothing because of the overwhelming need you see in your own life. But but you need to understand that that your something could very well be the key to everything. And then in week two, we talked about the fact that uh, Elijah has this uh, experience where he goes up on the hill and he puts his head between his knees and he prays and he says, God, I, I need you to bring rain. And, and we talked about the fact that his servant went back six times and came back with the report, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. And I told you that many of you are going to have to come to the place, if you're going to survive the nothing seasons of your life, you're going to have to come to the place where you believe the promise over the proof. Because some of you have been promised some great things by God, and if you're not careful, you will allow what you see with your natural eyes to overwhelm you to the point that you no longer believe the promise. He said, you've got to learn to stay in position. Every time that this servant would come back and say, there's nothing, Elijah didn't move out of position of prayer. You need to remain in the position of prayer. And then, and then we talked about the fact that, that small clouds equal big miracles. You cannot overlook the first indication that God is in control. You can't look, overlook the first indication that God is changing things. Don't overlook the small things. God is sending answers in small packages many times, and we're expecting something so big that we overlook what he's about to do. And then last week we went further in Elijah's story and we, we talked about how he ran from Jezebel. And we talked about that in the seasons of nothings, you have to understand there's a difference between isolation and insulation. There are moments when you're going through nothing seasons in your life that God will take you away from everybody and it feels like isolation. But the truth is, is he's not isolating you, he's insulating you. Can't get no help in here this morning. Uh, and, and so we said that you cannot fight the separation, that it could be for our own good. And then we learned that you cannot neglect the natural, uh, because if you neglect the natural, then you will most likely never see the supernatural, because Elijah was naturally hungry, and the angel comes in and meets him, and he's supernaturally worn out. But the, the angel deals with the natural first. So we got to take care of natural things in the moments of nothings. And then I told you finally that you've got to learn to distinguish God's voice because the nothing seasons are most likely and most often filled with noise. So that catches us up. So if you will, let's, let's finalize today and, and end this thing in 2 Kings chapter 6. Now we're going to turn to Elijah's protege, Elisha. Elisha has a nothing moment. It's, a, it's found in 2 Kings chapter 6 beginning of verse 8. And this is what it says. One time when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, after consulting with his officers, he said, at such and such a place, I want to set an ambush. The holy man sent a message to the king of Israel, watch out when you're passing this place, because Aram has set an ambush there. So the king of Israel sent word concerning the place of which the holy man had warned him. This kind of thing happened all the time. And so the king of Aram was furious over all this, and he called his officers together and said, Tell me who is leaking information to the king of Israel. Who is the spy in our ranks? But one of his men said this, No, my master, dear king, it's not any of us. It's Elisha, the prophet in Israel. He tells the king of Israel everything you say, even what you whisper in your bedroom. 
The king said, go and find out where he is. I'll send someone and capture him. Now, this kind of blows my mind a little bit because how are you going to sneak up on somebody that already knows everything? Never mind. That's a, that's a, that's a different. Uh, talk about d- d- dumb and dumber. I, you know, you just, there's no excuse for stupid. I, I just don't get it. But, but, but so here we go. So go, go find him. And, and they do. The report came back. He's in Dothan. Then he dispatched horses and chariots and an impressive fighting force. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Early in the morning, a servant of the holy man got up and went out. Surprise! Great surprises, huh? Horses and chariots surrounding the city. The young man exclaimed, Oh, master, what shall we do? Here's Elisha's response. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. There are more on our side than on their side. Then Elisha prayed, Oh, God, open his eyes and let him see. And the eyes of the young man were open, and he saw a wonder. The whole mountainside full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. When the Arameans attacked, Elisha prayed to God, strike these people blind. And God struck them blind just as Elisha said. That's an interesting passage of scripture. In, In essence, what's going on here is that Elisha is doing what the prophets of old did. He was serving, if you will, as the mouthpiece of God. And so now what he's doing is, since he's the messenger of God, and since he's on the king of Israel's side, he gives the king of Israel warning about the enemies that are coming against him, and he thwarts the works of the enemy on every turn. Every time they decide they're going to do an ambush, Elisha warns them. Every time they're going to send armies, Elisha warns them. Uh, It's ridiculous. He just keeps... Messing it all up for the enemy. Good for the king of Israel, bad for the other king, right? So that's what's happening here. So what happens is that infuriates the enemy king, the king of Aram. And what he decides to do is he decides that he's going to capture this prophet so that he can shut him up. Well, he comes after Elisha. And during the middle of the night, he surrounds the city. Let me stop right there and say this. Talk about a rude awakening. I I mean, put yourself in Elisha's position, and in particular his servant's position. Here you are. You are at rest. You are comfortable. You are concealed. In your own mind, you're secure. Are y'all with me? This is how he's feeling now. Because, I mean, if, if you're prophesying that the, the, the king of Aram is going to do this before he does it, then we're pretty secure that we're going to get, like, warnings. And all of a sudden, he wakes up, and they're surrounded. That is a rude awakening. Out of nowhere, he's cornered. Out of nowhere, he's threatened. Out of nowhere, he feels like they're vulnerable. A- ever been there? Ever been in that moment in life where you think everything is like peachy king? I know some of y'all young folks don't even understand that statement right there. Ever felt like that, 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 that your life was set on a particular course and everything was working out and everything was coming up roses and everything was going according to the plan and the process and my dreams are being fulfilled and then out of nowhere, you wake up one morning. You wake up one morning. And everything has changed. Now what you discover is that you are awakened to aggression. 
and you are overtaken by an army of anger and you are cornered by conflict and you are surrounded by sickness and fun days have now turned into frightened days and easy street has now been clogged up with enemies. Anybody, anybody ever uh, been there? Surrounded, surrounded. Days like that lead to seasons of nothing. Now, if your life is perfect, check out on me. But for most of us, our account is, is that the hand we are playing now was not the hand we intended to be dealt. I know you were, like you, some of y'all card players, I, I, know, I, I, I know you thought you were going to like always have four aces in your hand, and now all of a sudden you got like a two and an eight and, and, and a jack and, and a, a, a junk. Yeah, I mean, you just want to fold. I fold. I fold. I'm done. I'm out. Deal me out, right? But you didn't expect that. But I noticed something in this account. Check this out. Elisha, apparently, I guess, I don't know if he's asleep. If I was him, I'd have been asleep. He barely even seems to roll over at the news that he's surrounded. Now, maybe there's a lesson right there. I don't have time because we've already dealt with that lesson. But maybe there's a lesson right there about remaining in your position even when you're surrounded. Uh, that's a, I already preached that one, so I'm going to have to go on. So, so here this servant comes running in, and he begins to, he, he recognizes the dire situation that, they, that they're in, and, and he tries to drive home the message. Let, let me use my imagination. I think he runs in the room and he starts this, Hey, boss. Hey, bud. We're in trouble here. I, I know you're getting your beauty sleep and all, but, but, but buddy, we are in big trouble here. Let, let, let me just report to you what's going on around you. I know you're oblivious to all this, but you just need to understand that on the hillsides all around us and around the entire city, there is nothing but horses and chariots and the enemy and we Hey, but, but there, I've looked. There's no way of escape. There are no gaps in the lines. We're not going to sneak our way out of this. We, we put on disguises if you want to, but it's not going to do any good because they know where you are. This is over, buddy. There is nothing we can do about this. That's what he's saying. Well, against the backdrop of that situation and that declaration that he makes, Elisha's response and what takes place after that response is what I want to draw your attention to this morning. And if you will this morning, very simple. I've been teaching you several lessons every week. But this, just one this, this morning, if you will, just one. I want to teach you what I think may be the most important lesson that you can learn. If you are going to live through the nothings, you have got to learn this lesson right here. So if you've not taken any notes not applied this to your life at all during this entire series, please get this one because this one could be the difference in whether or not when you do go through a bad time, whether you come out on the other end or not. Here it is. In the nothings, you must have someone to surround the surrounders. Uh, okay, let me see. see. Here's why. In the, in the nothing seasons of life, you cannot believe the lie that you are alone. Why? Because, because here it is, here it is. If you believe the lie that you are alone, you will make silly 
and you will make scared decisions and choices that you would have never made if you thought that you had an advantage. See, I, I, just, I just read it like this. Elisha's servant comes running in, and, and I just want you to understand what he is suggesting. He doesn't come right out and say it, but I believe that what he's suggesting is, is that he probably had a white flag all pressed and ironed and perfect and ready. In fact, I think he'd probably already gone out and, and, and found him like a, a flagpole. Let me get a flagpole this morning. I think he had already secured a flagpole, and he was out in the city square, and he was getting ready to raise the flagpole, and he was already getting ready, man. He had it all worked here's what we need to do Elisha we just need to surrender just wave the white flag and sir I think that's what I think that's what his servant would have done because there was nothing but Elisha realized now check this out now that he had an advantage and that the truth of the situation was he had the upper hand in other words, he had his enemy right where he wanted them. But he was surrounded. But he had his enemy right where he wanted them. And so Elisha's response to the declaration that there's nothing we can do is he relaxes. He responds rather than reacts. There's a lesson on that too. And he rallies for victory. See, what I've discovered is that too many of us, if we're not careful, what we do is we will surrender or even retreat simply because we think we're all by ourselves. And so then what takes place is that at the first sign of conflict and the first sign of pain and the first sign of heartache and the first sign of adversity, we simply give up and we quit and we wave the white flag because we don't realize this simple truth that you need to understand this morning. You're not by yourself. See, some of you have done this. You've examined your life, and you've gone to your flag drawer. you got a flag drawer, right? Okay. A flag drawer, and you've dusted the white flag off, and you're about ready to wave it because you've examined your life. And when you examine your life, what you see is mounting bills. And when you examine your life, you see sickness that won't seem to go away. And when you look at yourself through the lens of, of uh, what's my situation, then, then you go and get the white flag because it's, it's over. There's nothing I can do. The marriage is over. The hope is over. My children are nuts. I don't know what I'm going to do. And you feel cornered. You see increased pain. You see gathering storm clouds. And it only seems to be getting darker. The truth this morning is this, and this is truth for some of you. You are surrounded. That's truth for some of you this morning. You are surrounded. But, but may I just interject into this situation that you find yourself in? Can I just remind you of a couple really important truths this morning that if you are in fact and if indeed you've, you've gotten yourself and shook yourself awake this morning and even on the way on a Sunday morning headed to church, on the way driving in through your mind, the scene is playing over and over again. I don't know what I'm going to do about this. There's no hope in this situation. There's nothing I can do. I might as well give up. May I interject to you on this Sunday morning a couple of facts that you need to know. Before you, 
before you get the white flag out and wave it, can I just remind you of two important facts? You are not alone. You have supernatural surround surrounders. Say that fast five times. You have supernatural surround surrounders. You don't believe me? Some of you don't see that because you're like the servant and you've forgotten how to look. And so I just want to simply remind you this morning, first of all, that God is with you. In fact, let, 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 me prove, let me prove that. Psalms chapter 34 verse 7 says this, For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. All who fear him. He, he surrounds. In other words, he's surrounding. I know that sickness is against you and, and heartache is against you and concern and care is against you. But this morning, can I tell you, you've got somebody surrounding your surrounders? Well, it gets even better. Go read the chapter of Psalm 91. I'm going to read it to you because there are so many. I, I don't even have time. I'm just going to read it to you. You're going to have to make your own application. See if you don't hear what he's saying, the promises. Here it is. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High and will find rest. Some of you just need to be surrounded with rest this morning. You will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge. My place of safety. He is my God and I will trust Him. For He will rescue you from every trap. Uh, some of you getting it. And He will protect you from deadly disease. Mm, you must be surrounded by some surrounders. Uh, he will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that fly in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your sight, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just, here it is, verse 8. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for He will order His angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Can I just remind you this morning that you're not alone. And you may be surrounded, but you are surrounded by surrounders. Yeah, see, I, I open your eyes. I, 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 look, it look, I know it looked like you were alone, but look again. Heaven's resources are there. Heaven's armies are gathered and have surrounded your surrounders. Take hope. Take courage. We sing about it all the time. We sing this song called I Call Your Name a good bit. I love the, the phrasing in there. We sing it, but I'm just not sure we believe it all the time. It goes like this. I call your name. Lord, you reply. You bring your kingdom to stand by my side. 
Oh, if we'd understand that His kingdom and all of His ability and all of His power is at our beck and call, don't give up. If He is for me, then who can be against me? If the weapons of our warfare, are, they're not carnal. You know what that means, don't you? That means that in the natural, you may not see the weapons working like you thought they were going to work, but they're not carnal. They're not natural. Our weapons are supernatural. So as you begin to operate in your weapons, although you may not see any change in the natural in the supernatural your weapons are mighty and powerful and they pull down strongholds so in other words no more white flags why would you surrender if your surrounders are surrounded why would you give up now and call it quits and, and, and throw the towel in and quit and go home? I'll take my marbles and go home. Why would you give up now? I know time seems to be ticking and time seems to be getting away. But the truth is, is he's just setting your enemy up. You've got your enemy right where you want him. But see, that, that, that's good news there. But that's not the only fact. I told you I had two facts. Because the second fact that, that I need to tell you is that not only do you have supernatural surrounders that surround your surroundings, but, you, but God steps in and positions you with the natural surrounders to surround what surrounded you. Let me see if I can help you see. He has, only, he has also given you people that will surround what is surrounding you. So this is the truth that I know. When I face trial and when I face struggles, when I feel like I have nothing, it can be difficult to see into the supernatural. So I am thankful, I am thankful for the supernatural attendance that God has given me. But I also want you to understand that he has us in position so that there are natural surrounders to... Oh, I, I can't get enough. Tari, come here. We're gonna, John, come here. I'm, I, I, you're part of my illustration this morning, John. I didn't tell you that. Tim, come here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come uh, on. Uh, uh, Garrett, come here. Come on. Come on. These are going to be the surrounders. All right. I... I need somebody like short. Daddy, come here. It's his fault. I'm still, I'm, I still, pastor needs counseling. It's his fault. I am the way I am. It's his fault. All right, guys, surround him, surround him. Get, get around him, all right? Get two in front, two in back, or get, get completely around him. Get behind him, Garrett. Not that far back. He, he's, he's not mean or nothing. Um, afraid the shortness will wear off, wear off, I understand. All right, so, so here's a, a literal picture of the body of Christ, what it's supposed to be like. That when we're in relationships, God has put people in our lives so that now when sickness comes against me, although I, I can't see in the supernatural necessarily, I recognize that there are people around me that when sickness tries to get, they won't let me get through. I try, but they won't. Heartache, I want to give up. They won't let me. I can't give up because they can't get to me. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Come here, Daddy. We want to step out here. And then when sickness and heartache and pain come, it beats us down. Go down. Man, I love this sermon. This is a great sermon. Woo. All right. All right. So, like, he's beat down. And now what he wants to do is now he wants to call out for the surrounders. But he's already beat all up. It's too late. So why not instead, instead of waiting until it gets so bad that I don't, I, they, they just look at me and go, man, we can't do nothing for you now. You waited too long. Why not instead, come here, get up and stay in this where you're protected. 
Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. I'll be grounded later. Don't worry. We walk out of position into destruction. I just want to remind you of something this morning. I want to remind you of this because I think some of you may have forgotten this. We got your back. You are here by divine assignment so that we can surround your surrounders. So let let me get very practical for you this morning. If you're sick, don't sweat it. Because we'll pray. We'll believe when you can't. If you're defenseless, don't sweat it. We'll cover you. If If you're scared, don't fear we're watching for you. If, if you're threatened, then you probably need to run, but you don't need to run away. You need to run too and get behind us and let us support you in the moment of your threatening. Tired? Let us surround you and watch over you so that you can rest. Faithless? You've used all your faith up and can't believe for one moment longer. You need to get involved and get surrounded by some folks that can believe for you when you have no belief left. See, God puts you right smack dab in the middle of surround surrounders so you can't hide from help. Don't overlook the advantage that you have at your disposal because what happens is the enemy tries to isolate us. Get us by ourselves because we're easy pickings and we don't take advantage of the fact that you have an advantage at your disposal. You cannot underestimate the resource that the resource that you have, that you have people here that will surround your surrounders. If you overlook that advantage, here's what happens, and then I'll get out of your way. If you overlook that advantage, here's what you do. You will mistakenly label somebody that is assigned to you here that is asking about your situation you will mistakenly label them as a busybody when the truth is they're a bodyguard And if you don't understand that God has assigned people to you, then what you will do is you will look at people that are trying to help you in your situation and they need to pray intelligently and they're on assignment. What you will do is you will think that they're just nosy. When the truth is, is they're a night guard that God has assigned to you so that when you're resting and trying to recover, they're watching over you. If you don't understand that God has people around you that can surround your surrounders, you will dismiss them and you will displace them to your own demise. Oh, and one last word and then I'll quit. I want you to notice that even though Elisha was confident and recognized that he had the upper hand, and even though the servant was finally able to see the truth that there were more for them than were against them, You need to go back and read the last verse that I read to you. Because the last verse says, when they attacked. So just because you've got surround surrounders, may I inform you this morning, like it or not, it's not if, it's when. The attack will come. 
Some of you are smack dab in the middle of an attack, a full onslaught of the enemy this morning. And so this message is for you. It's not if, it's when. You, you know the enemy is attacking. You need to know that you're nothing in your nothing season. You will be attacked. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. But hear me this morning. The key is that if you're in the middle of attack, you've got to make sure that your surrounders are surrounded. And the truth is this morning is that there are more for you than against you. And the truth is this morning is you got them right where you want them. If you'll put up your white flag and refuse to surrender. In fact, I want to encourage you this morning that what you really need to do is you need to surrender your surrender and say, I ain't waving this. I will not give up and I will not quit because I've got people for me and God is for me. So I'm surrounded. So this is how we're going to do this this morning. I think this is an appropriate end to this series this morning. I want you to stand with me. This is going to take guts, but I think this is essential. If you're here this morning and you would say, Steve, I have a need in my life. I examine what is going on in my life and it feels like nothing is going to change. Could be sickness, could be a financial need, could be a relationship need, spiritual need, I don't know, what, what, whatever it is. But as you examine the condition of your life, you would say, Steve, I really feel like waving the white flag. You're right in the middle of a nothing season. Then I'm going to ask you to do something this morning that's going to take guts because we smile at one another when we come in the lobby and some people don't actually know that you're hurting. And it's going to require taking off masks and facades and all that. I'm going to ask you if that's you to just simply step out and stand in the center aisle quickly. If you're in the middle of a nothing season, would you just step out and stand the center aisle. I'm going to wait just one more moment because I, I think there are more. I know we like to act tough and all, but of you in the center aisle, look at me quickly, quickly, quickly. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. Put the white flag up. Don't give up. Don't quit. Two truths for you this morning. God's got you. We got you. This is how we're going to prove that this morning to you. We want you to understand and I need you to open your eyes up and realize that there are more for you than that are against you. 
Esther, would you mobilize quickly those in the prayer team? I want you to get around them first. Those that are are part of that prayer team, would you just come and get in, get just get around them. And as soon as Esther gets out here in place and a couple of the prayer team, then this is what I want us to do as a congregation. Not as a congregation. Let me rephrase that. As a body. As a family. These folks need our help. I want you just to kind of smush in from the the aisles. I know it's crowded and all, but that's part of the process. I, I just need you to get in and surround them. Surround them. Get around them. Nobody should be all by themselves. There should be somebody around them. Around them. Around them. Well, what do you want us to do when we get there? Just stand there for a second because some of y'all want to go right smack dab into prayer and that's good, but I need you to understand some of these folks just need to know that some of, the, some of you are for them and not against them. Just stand there for a moment. Let it sink in. They're not by themselves. They, they haven't felt any support. You're, see the, op, open up your eyes this morning and recognize you're not alone. You've got folks surrounding your surrounders. They're all around you this morning. Now would you just lay your hands on them and let's pray, Father. Some of the folks that were laying hands on have been brave enough to indicate that they feel like they're in a nothing season and in many of these situations